Welcome to Take It or Leave It, an advice-ish podcast for parents. You can download this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play Music, or at podcasttakeitorleaveit.com. Be sure to subscribe and give us a review with your thoughts about the show. I'm your host, Meredith Masony. And I'm your host, Tiffany Jenkins. This podcast will discuss all things marriage, motherhood, and everything in between. Please remember, we're not professionals at anything you may actually need, so any advice we give you, you can take or leave because it might be crap. On today's episode of Take It or Leave It, we have a special guest who will probably never be on our podcast again. Her name is Jax Anderson, (laughs) the psychotherapist. Uh, Clearly, we have brought her in to discuss what's wrong with us, as well as our podcast, (laughs) because it is a complete pile of poo. So Jax, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Okay. Today we have Lindsay from Port, Port St. Lucie, Florida, opening things up for us. Be sure to call us at 315-834-2696 and leave us a message so you can open the show for us. Hey, this is Lindsay. I have one baby girl at home. And let's open the show with a mom fail moment. We're all here because we've all struggled as moms. And anyone who says they haven't is a big fat lie bagger. Hey, Tiffany. Hey, Meredith. Hey, girl. Hey. This is Lindsay from Port St. Lucie, Florida, mom of two boys, ages five and three, and I'm going to start the show in Meredith's favorite British accent. So let's open the show with a mum fail moment. We're all here because we've all struggled as mums, and anyone who says they haven't is a total lie bagger. Pip, pip. All right, ladies. Have a great show. Love your faces. That was so good. Oh, my gosh. You got the pip, pip in there. That was great. That was a fantastic way to open the show. Awesome. Yeah, so good. Oh, well, Tiffany couldn't hear it, but on the replay, you'll you'll enjoy it. So, Jax, since you're our guest, uh, why don't you give us a mom fail? Um, it's an ongoing mom fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, the homeschool thing. Mm. So, I had this, I mean, obviously, we all had to participate in homeschool for the last few months or whatever of school this year. But um, one of the things that my husband and I want to do is we want to homeschool our daughter uh, more often. And this year we're going to start that again. If we are, if we aren't already going to be forced to homeschool, but it's an ongoing issue for me because I am horribly organized and I am horrible about staying on a routine with my kid. And I only have one kid, one. And I cannot keep a schedule with her. It is horrible. So that's an ongoing mom fail that I'm constantly trying to work on. And I love thinking that I'm going to be great at setting up a schedule and then implementing it. But I usually fail within the week. (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to do this year. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was tough for everybody, though, this first go around because I'm not calling what we did virtual or homeschooling. I'm calling it crisis education. That's a good way to call. Yes. Because I don't think that anything that we were supposed to be doing actually got done, but we also weren't, excuse me, educated on how we were supposed to deliver the material. So Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like the, like March, April, May, June, were like a wash and we've already made the decision uh, we made the decision yesterday that we will be virtual doing virtual school with our three kids for the first nine weeks 
um, due to the spike, due to the spike in Florida, I can't, I just, I feel like there are no good choices right now. Uh -uh. And the thing that kept getting me was I wanted to send my kids back to school because I wanted them to have some normal, but the more Mm -hmm. I thought about it, the more I realized sending them back to school in this manner, there won't be any normal. So there's no reason to rush to do this because I feel like there aren't any good choices right now, um, that they've given us. So that's, so I understand and I feel your pain with that because I think that that's pretty much, I don't know, maybe 90, there's probably 5% of people who are doing this and are like, feel good about it. And then there's Mm -hmm. the rest of us. That's Mm -hmm. 95%, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm in, I feel like I'm in pretty good company with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but it is, it does cause a lot of fights. It does cause a lot of, um, issues with my daughter where she, she knows I suck at this. So of course she's going to take advantage of that. So it's, you know, it's an ongoing issue, but I agree with you. I don't think that there's any way in my opinion that, um, there are kids that need to go to school, obviously kids that are, um, cognitively disabled and they need the structure and they get, you know, kids that are maybe abused at home or not getting fed at home. Those kids can benefit from school and maybe the kids that don't need to go to school for those reasons could do virtual so that there's less of a amount of kids, you know, in the school. But I, you know, I don't know what the answer is. I agree with you. There's not really, I mean, we've never parented through a pandemic before. So no, No. So you take something like parenting where there's no manual and then Mm -hmm. you throw a pandemic into it and then just panic crisis mode, you know, happens. And I don't know anything about Wisconsin. Well, in general, but especially with like the pandemic numbers, Mm -hmm. but I can tell you that Florida right now is just a complete disaster. So I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're playing it safe. I think you're making a wise move. I think she's going to lose her effing mind. Oh, I will. I will. Oh, my gosh. And I want to send them, and they desperately want to go back. But I just... I'm not saying don't. I'm just saying I know where this is going. And, oh, girl, I'm sending prayers. Yeah. And good vibes. Yeah. I mean, we just... We... I, I didn't feel comfortable. It got to the point where I was so anxious about it and so upset about it that I couldn't not think about it. Like I couldn't even just like stash it away in a corner. Mm-hmm. And I knew if I knew that it just wasn't, it wasn't going to be something that I could handle sending them back. So what I'm hoping is going to happen is the um, department of education is going to tell the state of Florida uh, why don't we wait on the opening until like Labor Day and push things back to start getting a better plan to see what things look like? Because I feel like just kind of pumping the brakes would would benefit the entire country, but especially Florida, because I think a lot of the country doesn't go back to Labor Day anyway. So mm-hmm. I feel like if we just kind of pumped the brakes and it's like, why are we so rushed to do this in the middle of a pandemic? These are our kids. Like at this point, I just feel like, pardon my French, they're fucking with our kids' health and those of the employees and the staff of the schools. So it's kind of like, maybe we just take a hot minute, you know, and just reevaluate. But that's mm-hmm. Well, let's I'm introduce feeling. our guest. Yes. Sorry, so, it's heavy. It, the, all this stuff is heavy, you know? It, no, it stresses me out. It makes... Um, I just want people to know who we're talking to because... Yeah. 
um, you know, she did a mom fail. She did all this stuff. And they're like, who the F is it? So <laughs> um, I, today our guest is Jax. And I let me read you her bio really quick. And then I'll tell you how she came about. Um, Jax Anderson is a licensed professional counselor and emotional coach who helps tweens and teens and their parents survive adolescence. Jax also enjoys working with women ages 19 to 119, moving through their own healing journey. Jax believes in the power of authenticity and living an authentic life. Having grown up with her own challenges of being bullied and wandering aimlessly through her 20s with no clear direction, she enjoys helping others who find themselves relating to her experiences. Her passion is to inspire, motivate, and empower as many people as possible. Jax also has her own uh, podcast she co-hosts called Raise a Little Hell, a podcast for parents of tweens and teens. And so we'll make sure we link all her information if you want to find her um, when this podcast goes up. And so welcome. Thank you so much for being here, Jack. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Yes, I. so I found Jax on, pot, on podcast, which is not true or making any sense. I'm trying, I just did something with my screen and I don't know what I did. Hold on. Okay. Sorry. So I, I, did you just roll your eyes, Meredith? Oh my gosh. No. Keep your eyes straight. (sighs) (laughs) I found Jax on TikTok and I immediately started watching all of her videos because she was talking about parenting, but she was doing it in a way that was like acting out scenarios. And so she would show first like, okay, you know, an interaction with a parent and a kid, like the wrong way, or that maybe not the best way, or maybe the way that I personally have been doing it. (laughs) And then she goes back and does it again in a different way. That's more beneficial. Um, to the child and to the parent. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. You know, me and Meredith have experienced parenting based on like flailing along as we go. It would be cool to talk to somebody who has a little bit more um, education, I guess, um, experience, insight into different alternative ways to do things, but not in a boring luxury way. Like if you could see her right now, she's got like a tank top on and a bandana and tattoos all up and down her arm. And so I'm just so intrigued and I am so happy that you're here. Well, thank you again for giving me this opportunity. Yes. I keep saying welcome. And what else can you say to that after the third time? Like, thanks. Like I said, (laughs) thanks for having me again. Um, Meredith, I thought that it's especially cool for you because you have tweens and teens, which Mm -hmm. I do not yet. Mm -hmm. And so you deactivated your TikTok, right, Meredith? I did. It's still there. I just don't have it on my phone Mm -hmm. uh, because I am afraid of the, the hacking part of TikTok because apparently there are some conspiracy theories, Tiffany would say that, um, they're getting all your information through that app. So the advice that I was given was to take it off of a device where you have passwords or access to bank accounts. So I don't have it on my phone, but I'm probably going to put TikTok back on my iPad because I do like TikTok and I like scrolling through TikTok and watching the TikToks. But, uh, I just, I, I swear we've had our credit card stolen. I don't know how many times and different things. And it's just like, I don't need an, I don't need 
the TikTok to be the thing that steals my hmm. American Express. I don't so. know. It's worth it. It's worth it. I don't. I don't know. But yeah. So Tiffany has been talking about you for weeks, and so she was all excited. <laughs> don't make it weird, Meredith. Okay. Well, she was all excited, and um, I did check out some of your stuff, and I agree. I think this is great. <clears throat> why did you go into uh, this field? Why did you? And why did you pick of all things tweens and teens? Because I taught middle school, and I currently now own two. Uh, a, a, a tween and a teenager and they are emotional um wildebeests mm-hmm. you know yeah. so why did you pick that area I, you know i'm you're gonna can we swear on this podcast sure okay? sure okay you're you're gonna shit your pants but Maybe. um i feel like they picked me I used to be prior to becoming a professional counselor i used to be a correctional officer and I know I said, you're going to shit your pants. Um, and (laughs) so when I was working as a correctional officer, they wanted to train me to work in the juvenile detention part. And I had told my, uh, Sergeant, I was like, you know, you don't like, I hate teenagers. You don't understand. Mm. I hate them. And he was like, well, you're a female officer. We need females down there. So we're training you. And then it was um, story after story of me trying to like boss these teenagers around and they just would keep, you know, coming back at me, not doing, finding new creative ways to like break the rules. Until one day I went into one of the pods that where the, the juvenile um, juveniles are located and I just lost my shit on them. I cussed them out. I was like, I don't, I, all I'm asking you to do. And then after that, they were fine. They were, they were cool. They were like, all right, whatever. And then I, w- I went back to the office and I sat down. I'm like, wait, something's up. So I went back in there and I said, hold on. I have been appropriate and respectful to you guys for how long? And then I lose my shit and, and you like respect me. What's going right. on? They're like, Cause you were real. And I was like, wow. Oh yeah. Okay. And then since then, after that, I just fell in love with teenagers. And then I knew when I decided to go back to graduate school, that's when I knew I wanted to work with teenagers. So I feel like they kind of picked me. They taught me something. Wow. Yeah, it was cool. That, that is- and not just, <clears throat> you're not just dealing with regular teenagers. You're dealing with teenagers in the system who, right. you know, have come from all different backgrounds and are struggling. And right. that's so powerful. I don't know if I could ever even attempt to do it i'd just be like okay i know you hate me i'll leave you alone sorry (laughs) bye um and so you after that you went to school and then you just stopped doing the juvenile detention and moved on to to what like did you have a practice and people came to visit you how does that work i got really lucky so when i was in grad school the first year of grad school i did full-time correctional work part-time grad school and then i um, resigned from the um, juvenile facility from the being a correctional officer and I took a job in a crisis center and then when my internship part of graduate school came I was so lucky to find a position at an equine assisted mental health clinic in the area that I lived a small town called Shyocton, Wisconsin it was called Chaps Academy it's not there anymore but it used to be um, obviously 
uh, but they used horses to work with uh, very at-risk teenagers. And so I did my internships there and I got hired and then I worked there for about five years and just doing equine therapy with very at-risk teenage girls. And it was empowering. It was challenging and painful a lot of times, but the most inspirational work I've ever done using horses. Yeah. Dr. Phil sent the cash me outside girl to do that. And it worked for her for a little while. And then I don't know what happened, but she has to go back for more horse therapy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually looking into that. It's funny that you said that because there, I just got a list of, um, cause we just moved up towards the Jacksonville area Mm -hmm. And, um, I need to find a new behavioral therapist for my Mm -hmm. son. And they sent me this whole list of various ABA and behavioral therapy therapists in our area. And there are like three, um, equine, uh, therapy places that are within 30 minutes of where we are. And Mm -hmm. so that's on my list to call, to take him to try equine therapy. Is it, so is it the whole taking care of something other than yourself like what is it about equine this is what is it about equine therapy that's like beneficial what for for like someone who's troubled or experiencing those things is it go ahead it's it's the taking care of something else but it's also the um empowering feeling to manage to be in control of a 2,000 pound animal so Mm. horses are prey animals they're, they're food for other animals, yeah. which makes horses very in tune to their environment and very in tune to the emotionality that humans have inside of us. And most of us are walking around inauthentic, incongruent. So our outsides don't match the insides. So we portray a certain confidence to people, but inside we're really freaking the hell out, right? Mm. So horses can feel that. You cannot be incongruent around a horse and not have the horse call you out on that. So if we have teenagers that approach a horse during an equine therapy session, and I look at the teen and I say, okay, here's a halter. Put the halter. Your goal today is to put the halter on the horse, however you can. When you're done, tell me you're done. And then I go and I sit down. And then the teen, after learning how to be safe around a horse, of course. Right. Um, engages in that activity and it's it's really interesting to watch because they're not going to get the horse's cooperation until they can manage to to actually experientially balance their inside with their outside horses are cool if you're angry just show you're angry does that make sense that's so interesting Mm -hmm. did you know that meredith i did not I did. Do you not. think it'll benefit Brian? Do you think he'll? <clears throat> I think it's. I think that I'm open at this point to try anything with Brian because right. we're in a really, um, we're in all new territory with him because between the move and the pandemic, he has regressed mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, my youngest son is on the spectrum, and he has ADD, ODD, ADHD. He's been labeled with pretty much everything, and he was also um, had a birth injury that caused brain damage. So he does things the way Brian wants to do things. And Mm -hmm. we've had, we've had a lot of struggles and it's, you know, it's, it's exhausting. And I've been exhausted, um, for months now. 
dealing with it. But Brian, um, you know, Brian just, Brian, Brian needs the structure and the support that school gives. And without that, it's been, it's been really hard for us and the therapies are gone and the other things. So I am looking into, um, any, any different type of therapy that somebody wants to recommend, we will give it a go and we'll try things because I'm getting to the point now when Brian has a meltdown or begins to act out, he's getting bigger and bigger. And at some point I won't be able to hold him down. And at that point, um, if he's putting hands on me or one of the other kids, I'm worried because at some point in the future, then what do I do? I have to call law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm now at a, at a, at a part in our, in my parenting journey, that's scaring the shit out of me because at some point I can't just pick my kid up and be like, we can't, you know, you can't do this. You can't. Mm-hmm. So it's been, that's been what's I think been stressing me out because I've realized it. So when he gets in that angry spot, if I can't hold him down or get him to not hit me or, you know, to keep his hands down, um, it, it's very worrisome. So I'm willing to try anything that I can to get him to understand that he has to learn how to control his emotions because a judge is not going to care that he couldn't control his emotions while he was in some gas station somewhere and he a flip, you know, flipped his switch and knocked mm-hmm. over a display of Doritos or, you know what I mean? Like, or whatever he decided to do right. because he didn't right. have control. Right. So this is, this is why I'm so glad that we're talking to Jax too, because she uses like some examples on her TikToks that I've seen of like ways to cope with, you know, different emotions that tweens and teens are facing. And so I thought it would be cool for, to bring up um, some of my favorites that I've seen you do (laughs) and we can just talk about them. So anger in a kid. For me, my kid, the the one that comes to mind, he's five. So it's not near, you know, it's not nearly what Meredith has to experience. Like, you know, he's just a Mm five-year-old, but he gets very angry. And when he gets angry, he like shuts down Mm -hmm. and you have to almost like leave him alone for him to come around. And so you had a pretty cool example of something that you could do when your child is feeling like that. So can you share with us a little bit about the ice suggestion and what other ones you have as well? Sure. This actually came out of doing equine, this idea. So when anger is being presented in a kid, and really no matter how old they are, as long as they're old enough to understand words, you can speak their language and encourage them to channel that anger into something that is healthier than vandalism or damaging the wall or damaging themselves uh, because it needs to be expressed. We don't want to dam up anger because it's going to find a way out. And we'd rather help our kids channel and express the anger in a healthier way than dam it up when it's going to just come out impulsively and who knows when and who knows at who. So one of the TikTok videos that I did, because I was getting a lot of people to ask me, like, what about anger? What about anger? Is having an anger outburst And then as the parent, just saying, you know what, here's some ice cubes. Let's go outside in the driveway and you can throw the ice cubes against the driveway as hard as you can. Because watching something explode (laughs) sometimes is very helpful and satisfying, fulfilling when you're very angry. Usually we're feeling angry because our boundaries were just violated. 
or we're feeling something is unfair. We're feeling that, you know, we don't push to do something we don't want to do. Boundaries violated, right? Right. We're very upset and powerless and a hopeless feeling. So being in charge of destroying some ice cubes isn't going to hurt anyone. But taking that power back in such an empowering way, not only does it neutralize the intensity of the emotion, but it's a sense of control. Just wear goggles. (laughs) I forgot to put goggles on in my video. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can you give an example of what, as a parent, like damming up those Mm -hmm. emotions would be? Like what, as a parent, should we not say? Yeah. So like if your kid is angry and they're having a temper tantrum and you say, that's, you know, don't talk to me that way and go to your room. And, you know, you send them to their room. They don't really get an opportunity to express anger or it's not okay to be angry like that. It is not okay for you to have that reaction to your brother stealing your toy. Right. You know, telling kids that it's not okay to have an emotion is not okay. <laughs> I think that's so important though. That's mm-hmm. such an important point because I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, you have no reason to be upset right now. Right. And when I started watching your videos, I'm like, who the hell am I to tell somebody they don't have a reason to be upset? Their feelings are their feelings regardless right. of age. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so important. And, but it's so common for us to do that because, you know, well, we're parents and we're busy and, you know, our kids have upset feelings about trivial stuff to us. Right. But, you know, it's really huge to them. Right. So we, it, it's important. We all do it. You know, we all have made, I've made those mistakes too plenty of times, but it's just important to be mindful of what am I really communicating to my kid when I tell them that they don't have a right to be upset about that. Right. And you received, I just saw this today, actually. Did you receive a little bit of like backlash when you made the ice video? Were there people saying, what were they saying? Yeah. So, and I knew this was going to come actually, Tiffany, because um, there have been studies out there where um, mental health professionals have done some studies and articles and published about how expressing anger in a violent way causes more violence. So people that are afraid of their kid punching another kid at the school or, um, you know, growing up to become an abusive spouse, you know, they're worried that throwing ice cubes on the cement are going to create that. And if that's all you did is teach your kid to destroy shit when they're pissed, yeah, they probably will grow up to be like that. But, you know, TikTok gives me 60 seconds to make a video. So if you're talking to your kid the way I did in that video, and you're monitoring it, you're managing it, you're, you're expressing this is a healthy way to be angry. And when it's over, now let's talk. They're not going to grow up to be violent individuals if you're doing that. And those studies that were done are like, There's not a lot of them. There's way more studies done showing how a healthy expression of anger in that way is beneficial. Right. And so that's just one expression. Like, do you have any suggestions for any other ones? Oh, sure. Yeah. Like um, those noodles, that swimming pool noodles, Mm -hmm. hitting those up against a tree is, is, you know, punching your pillow, um, squeezing the banana out of the peel is very satisfying. I don't know if you've ever done that. Like if you're really angry to like squeeze it right out of the peel, kids like to do that. 
when I worked at the equine assisted mental health clinic, I would um, give the kids a baseball bat and throw a bale of hay down into the uh, arena and just have them go to town on the bale of hay. And then we let the horses in and they graze on the hay while we talk about what just happened. So you always follow it up with a conversation. Yes, always. Because you want to connect the anger when you can tell that the anger needs to move. We got to get it out of the system. They're not going to be able to talk with that intensity in their system. Right. We can't, we can't rationalize with irrationality. It just doesn't work. So right. move the energy then have the conversation. And usually the conversation is much more insightful after the energy has been moved through rather than dammed up. Meredith, do you see any correlation between this and like your yoga in the morning that you do every morning? Do you think it's similar in that you have to do your yoga in order to feel like you're not going to roundhouse kick everyone all day? Yeah, I think you just, everybody has you know, like I don't want to throw ice cubes if I'm mad, right? Like that wouldn't be something that I would choose to do, but I totally think Brian would think that's probably the coolest thing ever if I took him outside and let him throw some ice cubes. But I'm with you. Um, you know, when you were talking about, uh, letting your kids know, like I, we, we, we are, we tell our kids, you can have any emotion that you want. You can have it. Mm-hmm. It's allowed. You can feel it. But there, there are going to be rules with how you express it and how we work through it. And because Brian is so easy to anger and, and he always feels like his boundaries are being violated, even when I saw the interaction and his boundaries weren't violated, he still felt that way. So I can't mm-hmm. tell him that he that he didn't. And I can't tell him that he's wrong for feeling that. But what I, what we try to do is break it down and explain like, okay, your brother did this for a reason that you don't understand. Mm -hmm. We can talk about that and you can feel angry, but you can't pick up a chair and hit your brother because I'm not taking anybody to the emergency room today. So we're not going to do that. But that is like his go-to is to grab something and be forceful. And so I have to break that that pattern. And so we do a lot of, um, removing him from the situation, sitting him down, but I'm probably not doing enough of letting him move through that anger. Right. Cause I'm always taking him out of the situation, going and having the conversation. And a lot of times I'm trying to have that conversation with him while he's still angry. And that's tough because he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to talk when he's angry. So I definitely have to implement more of that, you know, that part of working through that anger. Uh, cause yeah, for me, you know, I need an hour a day where I exercise, work out, whether it's yoga or a hit class or, you know, whatever I'm doing, because I can't, like, I can't without having that movement and that feeling, I, I feel like I can't make it through my day. You know, so I understand that. And I guess I just never really thought about it with, um, you know, with Brian having to express that emotion, move that anger, anger, move the anger. Cause I I allow him to express and we, and he's entitled to his feelings. Like I, I used to say, you know, you shouldn't feel this way. And then through years of therapy, I've realized, no, 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 you feel any which way you want to feel like it's cool. It's yours. You can own it. But my problem has been like, you can't lay hands on anyone at any time. So we have to figure out other ways for you to express it because I don't know why it's such a, such a common thing, but it is like, you just, you want, you want to express it. And 
you know, it's like, at no point are we hitting people. We're not punching people. We're not grabbing people. So. Cause you feel like a soda bottle that's shaken up with the lid still on. You just yeah. feel like you have to put it somewhere. And I get that. And that's why when I get like super anxious or whatever, I feel like I have to scream. And, and so I let like a little bit out at a time throughout the day, but I love the idea of throwing ice cubes. Maybe better I'll than like dishes. it. Maybe I'll like it when I, if I try it, maybe that the next time, the next time he gets all your neighbors up, might call the police. The neighbors will definitely probably have something to say about it, but maybe I will, maybe we'll go and we'll do that and I'll get, I'll give it. I mean, like I said, I'm totally open to trying anything because I don't want, I don't want to have to, you know, to be in a situation when he's older and, and have to worry about how he's going to react, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and right now I'm actively worried about that. It's a pro it's something that I'm thinking about every single day. So, and it's stress, it's stressful. It's stressing Mm -hmm. me out. And, you know, I think it's probably the reason that my outsides do match my insides, (laughs) you know, cause like the way I, you're looking at me and you're thinking, if you're watching this live, she's looking rough. I'm feeling rough. It's not the the past few months have not been easy. You know, it hasn't give you a complex. No, I know that it's true. I have me, I own mirrors, you know, like I know how I look, but it's, but, but I'm also not dishonest about that. I'm not going live or doing podcasts or talking about things and saying, no, I feel great. Everything's fine. Good. Cause I don't, I mean, everything isn't great and everything doesn't feel fine. And life is hard right now for pretty much all of us, mm-hmm. you know, pandemics aren't fun. <laughs> they suck. They suck. So, Jax, another thing that I would love to talk to you about, I don't know if you have any insight, a lot of um, my supporters and a lot of people who follow the podcast and our pages and stuff um, experience anxiety. And I can't speak for everyone, but I can speak for myself. As a result of anxiety, I feel like I'm ruining my kid's childhood because every single moment that's meant to be fun is overshadowed by my squawking in the background, slow down, you're going to hurt yourself. Because I see all these really dark scenarios. Mm -hmm. I see terrible things happening. And I feel like a helicopter parent, like Mm -hmm. I'm constantly chasing my kids around trying to keep them out of danger. And I know my supporters can relate to that. So I guess my question for you is, do you know how that's going to affect them in the future? Um, And also, do you have any tips or advice by chance, I know that this, I haven't seen you specifically talk about this, so I didn't know. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a good idea for a video, actually. Maybe I can make one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's common for parents to follow their kids around and remind them to be careful. And cause, cause we do, we, we know what can happen when they're, you know, running too fast or whatever it is that they're doing, we know what can happen. But at the same time, if there's an opportunity for them to experience natural consequences uh, versus, you know, uh, being stopped from doing it. And I'm not talking about like natural consequences, like getting hit by a freaking car, like talking <laughs> about, like if they, you know, if they're running just a little too fast, a nice gentle reminder about, you know, it looks like you're trying to run faster than your legs can carry you, Bubba, you know, be, just make sure that you're mindful of that. And, you know, they do it anyway, they might fall and get a skin knee or skinned fingers. And then that's a natural consequence. It might slow them down next time. Sometimes our warnings are more about us putting our anxiety on our kids so that they're 
our kids' behavior can control our anxiety. Mm-hmm. That's not fair. Mm-hmm. That's not fair for us to do that. So if if there's an alternative way that you know you can say something, or even if you do find yourself um, kind of reminding them all the time later, you can come back and say, you know what, I'm working on this thing where I don't remind you to be safe all the time. And today I, I didn't do a very good job of that. I was reminding you a lot. And I just want you to know that comes from my anxiety. That's, that's not you doing anything wrong. It's my anxiety because I worry about you. I'm sorry for doing that. So take it back. You know, kids are so resilient when we, when we take that stuff back, it's so powerful for them. Cause they're like, Oh, okay. Cause like my daughter now, and thank goodness I learned this when I did before I had a kid. Otherwise I'd be doing the same thing. I'd be a horrible helicopter parent, but like, I'll say to her, okay, mommy's brain is doing that thing where she pictures you getting hurt really badly. So just so you know, like in the next 10 minutes, if I'm reminding you to do something that's about me and my anxiety kiddo, and she'll even remind me sometimes she'll say, mom, is your brain doing that thing? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So separating it, I think is very important for them. So they know that it's about you and your anxiety and it's not about them doing something wrong. Right, 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 right. And it's, it was so profound. Like when you said that's about you wanting their behavior to reflect it, because I, a lot of people might get mad at me about this, but I have actually literally said like, Hey, you have to stick close to me because there are scary people who will take you away and put you in a dungeon and I'll never see you because I feel like if I scare them enough, then they're going to be aware of it. But really like how effed up to make a kid think about something like that. But I don't know the line between like educating them about potential dangers Mm -hmm. and letting them be a kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I think it's hard. It's a hard, it's hard. I think when they're small, because you do want to protect them. And obviously like as they get older, it does get a little bit easier. Like I just like Sophia just got on the skateboard the other day and was like, watch this and completely wiped out knee, shin, foot, whatever. And so we're just picking her up and it's like, you know, told you to slow down, didn't slow down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's going to think about it. Like what Jack says, she's going to think about it next time Mm -hmm. when she goes out there and pushes off on that. Like I told her to be careful. Luckily she had on her helmet. Um, but the, but the skin knees and those things are reminders for them. Um, and, and like, we just took a big step with Brian um, I have been spending the, I, we had spent the last month looking for a tracking device because Brian is almost 10 and he wants to be able to ride his bike and be outside without us. And, uh, I can't, I can't do that with him, uh, without knowing where he is because it's just, I mean, it's harder when your kid is on the spectrum, um, And I need to be able to know, like, I have to be able to track him. So we looked at all of these different types of devices from the gizmos to the angel sense to the whatever. And we, we ended up just getting an Apple watch because we could pair the Apple watch to the phone and I could GPS locate him. And so I stuck an Apple watch on him and now he can go down the street and I can just message him and say, I'm doing a check. Are you okay? And some people are going to say, well, you know, do you really need to check on him? He's just in the neighborhood. And it's like, I don't need to do that for kid one or kid two, but I have to do that for kid three. So you have to be able to also differentiate what is necessary for one kid and what is not necessary for the other. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes a while, right? Like my baby, your baby is, is four, right? Tiff. Mm-hmm. I mean, my baby is nine yes. going to be 10. It's a whole different stage and a whole different phase. Um, but I still can't trust him to just be out and not know where he is. You know, I told him the other day, I was like, we're going to go down here and you're going to, you know, we're making a left and he didn't go left. And I kept going and I'm looking for my kid now for 20 minutes because my kid went right. And you know, that's what number three does. And, and he was off in a whole other section and I couldn't find him. And it was like, at some point I'm going to be calling the police. And, and so I finally was just like, you know what, for my peace of mind, I have to track this child because I said left and he went right. And then he was just, I stopped and there was a squirrel and, and it's like, okay. So, you know, you have to make decisions. Do I recommend telling your kids they're going to be stuck in a dungeon with the wicked step? mother, maybe not, but I, I know where that comes from and I understand it, you know? So, so Jax, there, what are the three, uh, most common questions that adults ask that annoy the heck out of their teens? Oh, that they, oh, um, can I put a tracker on you? Is that one? (laughs) Let me, can I see your cell phone? Um, I don't think parents usually ask to put a tracker on their teens. They just do it. Um, but can I see your cell phone? The other annoying questions teens always tell me are, um, where are you going to college and what are you going to do for a career that are Mm -hmm. the most annoying? So what are like, what, as a parent who Mm -hmm. obviously wants to know what the F is going on in their kid's Mm -hmm. cell phone and what their plans Mm -hmm. are for the future, do you have any alternative ways to say it that don't, aren't as annoying? Because I remember like being a teen, my mom literally, she would ask me to unload the dishwasher a certain way. And it, it, it made this rage inside Mm -hmm. of me for no reason. Mm -hmm. So she had to like structure her sentences not to like piss me off. And it, I think it boils down to feeling like you're being interrogated. So, mm-hmm. um, Meredith's oldest has a cell phone because he, but he's like a great kid. So this, I don't even know if she needs this advice, but I'm interested in like some alternative ways yeah. to say it. And I think with the cell phone thing, like this is going to be different for every family and every kid, because there are going to be kids that are going to be super responsible and never have an issue. And then there are going to be kids that are breaking their phone every other day or losing it. There are going to be kids that are sexting and sending nudes. There are going to be other kids that are like, oh my God, I would never do that. So, you know, it's, it, it depends. I don't think there's any, yeah. But with asking, well, your hold kids, on, let me inter, let me, let me interrupt you. So with that, with everything you just said, what is your opinion on the cell phone? Is it the kids or is it the parents? Because the parents are paying for it. Mm -hmm. The kid is using it. Mm -hmm. So who's right? Is it, is it, does the parent have a right to look in the kid's cell phone? It's the, it's, it's, they pay for it. It's their property. I think Meredith is letting you know her opinion. No, no, I'm, I'm asking, I'm asking. No, it's a good, it's a good question. I get this a lot. So, um, definitely it is owned by parents and they're letting their kid, use a cell phone, but it also is a gift to the kids. Cause how's a kid going to afford a $1,200 iPhone? You know? So, uh, I look at it as things prior to the best way to handle the situation is to, is before 
prior to getting the phone, having a smartphone contract and putting Mm -hmm. in the smartphone contract, like everything that is important to you and your family. So at night at 7 PM, they get turned in, they go on the charger in mom and dad's room or parents room or the kitchen or whatever, you know, whatever the rules are going to be. And then everybody, um, sits down, goes over the rules, teen or tween gets an opportunity to add rules and you'd be surprised with the rules they've come up with. Um, And then everybody talks about the consequences. What are the consequences gonna be now if one of these expectations is violated? And so everybody knows ahead of time what the expectations and rules are and what the consequences are going to be. Everybody signs it. Makes so much sense. And then laminate that son of a bitch and put it on the refrigerator (laughs) or put it in the bathroom mirror where everybody can see it every day. And, you know, just as like they age and as adjustments come up, oh, looks like we need to adjust some of these expectations on the phone because you're getting to the age of Snapchat or you're getting to the age of TikTok and you want to download, okay, you're allowed to have Snapchat or TikTok, which one do you want? So you make an adjustment or an amendment to the contract If you just keep talking about it. If somebody listening to this, their kid already has a cell phone and they didn't do the contract mm-hmm. before, yeah, what should they do? Because they can't do just come in with a scroll, no. can they? Sit down with your kid and say, hey, We've been having some trouble with the cell phone, obviously. You know, right. you're, you want to do this. I don't want you to do that. You're doing it anyway. I'm busting you. Both of us don't like how this feels. Mm. Let's sit down and negotiate a contract. And I will meet you in the middle as long as you're willing to meet me in the middle. So let's negotiate. So you're teaching your kid problem-solving skills, negotiation skills. You're teaching them about a contract. This is a very adult thing to go through with them. Right. So if they already have a smartphone, it's not too late. You just, you know, might have to ease into it a little bit because they might be defensive in the get-go because you're always taking their phone from them. Right. So they might be a little worried about like, what, wait a minute. Yeah. We didn't, we don't have a physical contract, but we sat down prior to handing the phone over and Mm -hmm. said, these are the rules. There is no social media until high school. I Mm -hmm. have the access code to your phone. And at any point in time, I'm allowed to take your phone from you and look through your text messages and your browser history. Mm -hmm. And that was the rule because Mm -hmm. the phone was given to him because he walked to school and it was a safety concern. And if you do need to get, if you do need to reach out or call somebody or whatever, and there was actually an instance where they were walking to school together, a child had a seizure and fell off of his bike and my kid called 911. Yeah. So came in handy in that situation, mm-hmm. but he knows that at any point in time, I am a lot. Now I don't, t- I don't take his phone from him. I've never taken mm-hmm. his phone actually away from him. Um, and he just asked me, he said, mom, I'm going to be in ninth grade. Um, I want social media. And I said, okay, cool. You can have Facebook. He said, I don't want Facebook, <laughs> which I knew he didn't want Facebook. I knew he <laughs> wanted TikTok, and I wasn't willing to give TikTok. Right. So I said, you may not have TikTok. And then he said, well, I want Snapchat. I said, you may not have Snapchat. And then he said, well, can I have Instagram? And I said, ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. You may have Instagram. Yeah. Yes. And that's where, that's where we landed with that. Yeah. Um, now it's going to be a completely different game with my daughter who just got, because the rule is you can get a cell phone in sixth grade because you have to because they were walking to school. Um, but there will continue to be no no uh, social media on her phone. But I've already taken her phone away from her eight times. 
and not because she was getting on social media or doing whatever, but because she was caught on the phone after bed because she was caught, um, uh, texting somebody that I didn't know. And it's like, how'd you even get a phone number? How we're in the middle of a pandemic. How'd you even get a phone number? And she, cause she just, cause that's her, right? So they're sure. all different. So maybe yeah. I have to go back and do something with writing with them. But, um, mm-hmm. you're right. Each kid, you know, not to say Matias won't give me a problem in the future. It's just not been his MO, but mm-hmm. Sophia for the love of all things, holy, that girl is trying to end me yep. and she's only going to be 12. Yeah. And if they have different contracts, they have different contracts, you know, they're different kids. Yeah. They have different characteristics, different personalities. They manipulate you differently. Yep, I agree <laughs> so. with that. I th- and that's why people always give me blowback when they say, you need to treat your kids the same. And it's like, I, no way. Well, I treat my kids the same. They are yeah. different people. And what works with one does not work mm-hmm. with the other. I will not treat them the same. Yep, exactly. Okay, I like your answer. <laughs> I accept. I accept your answer. Thank you. That means a lot, Jax, just so you know, coming from the Grinch who stole Christmas. I, um, so Jax, I have to ask, uh, as somebody who has experience with teens, when I first got TikTok, I was traumatized, (laughs) um, at the things that teens on the app were like doing and Uh seeing and knowing about. Mm -hmm. It's been a while since I was a teen. I'm sure that I was a little you know, a little hoe bag in with AOL, but oh my gosh, what the F, what is your thoughts on this when you see it? The dancing um, link, this, yeah. it's bad, dude. They're shaking their booties and wearing crop tops and talking about, <laughs> I don't like it. Um, I think there's this magical age that I don't know what it is. It's somewhere in our early twenties maybe late, maybe mid twenties where adults, they, we cross over this like invisible bridge (laughs) or something. And we, we like all of our teenage shit immediately gets repressed to the back of our brain. And we, we are, we forget what it was like. True. Um, but when I see teens behaving that way, um, I don't, I mean, there are times where it's like, oh my gosh, I feel like a predator just watching yeah. you do this dance, you know. But then I think about, well, what are they being inundated with? You know, Vampire Diaries is a show about adults going to high school, having sex and adult parties and falling in love and cheating on each other and wearing skimpy clothes and high, high heels. And, you know, how many shows are there out there like that? They see and hear this stuff at school, even, you know, from kids who have older siblings. Um, They they see it in in media, on TV, during commercials or during adult events that we watch, like the Super Bowl, or we watch other Golden Globe Awards or we whatever we watch. They're going to be getting the message that this is how you act when when you're you look this age you grow up uh this is how you get attention yeah and teenagers once one group starts doing it then they all do it because teenagers just they all want to be wearing the same pair of ugg boots yeah (laughs) is there any way to talk to your teens uh, about Mm -hmm. not letting their not feeling like their worth is based on 
likes and comments because that's new Mm -hmm. and scary and something that I'm dreading, like trying to stress to my kid, like there's so many kids on the app. You've seen it. I want to end my life. I don't have any friends, Mm -hmm. you know, or people are bullying me or I'm not getting enough likes somebody like this so that Mm -hmm. I can blow up on TikTok. Like Mm -hmm. it feels so important at that age. How do you talk to your kids and let them know like, Hey man, or is there even anything you can do? They won't believe you anyway. Well, I think you start young, you know, start, start when your kids are like like your age, Tiffany, you know, start real young and telling them how you build a kid's self-esteem is simply just let them know that you believe in them and you have faith in them. Mm. When they, when kids feel that adults believe in them and have faith in them to be able to do the things that they want to do, or even if they can't do it, you know what? I believe that you're going to figure out a way to do this. If you need my help, let me know. Right. That builds confidence and esteem because we are, in fact, giving that to them by letting them know we believe and have faith in them. When kids grow up feeling that confidence and that esteem, they don't really have such a need to search for likes and to do those things. True. But if they are, you know, just have that conversation with them. Like, are you making these posts for likes or for engagement, what is, what's your why, you know, start talking to them about like what your business coach would talk to you about, because I'm certain, you know, anybody that's an entrepreneur on social media is looking for likes and engagement. What, so, who are, are what? Yeah, no, I, I under, I Meredith, completely you have a agree. Business coach? No, I completely oh. agree with you uh, though, because well, my business coach then would be my husband, right? I need because, one, dude. Because we have discussed in length the, my why, right? Mm-hmm. And when we come down to business decisions and things that we do, it always goes back to the why. What mm-hmm. am I? Why am I doing this? And what is the purpose? And right. I completely agree with you because there have been plenty of things that I've wanted to do and decided not against it because it didn't align with my why. And my why has not right. changed in the last seven years. My why is still exactly, exactly the same. So you're right. I, I agree with that. What do you do when your kid wants to do something and they're just really bad at it? So no, this like, is a legitimate question because what happens when you yeah. have a kid and your kid is a terrible singer, but they love to sing and they think that they're going to become a professional singer, but you know, they're not going to become a professional singer and they're terrible. They're a terrible singer, maybe okay. like their mom, <laughs> right? But the joy of song can be expressed, but mm-hmm. never in a professional setting. How yeah. do you tell your kid that they are not going to be a professional singer, even though they really want to, to, to be a singer? You don't, don't tell them. Don't? I, I wouldn't. That's my, I wouldn't tell them because here's the thing. Who am I to interfere on my kid's journey there? Because whether she becomes a professional singer or not, she's going to get an opportunity to grow and learn something through that search. So don't even so have even, the conversation that it, I like, wouldn't even tell You know what I would say? I would say, you know what? This is what I say to my kids. She wanted to learn how to do a flip on a trampoline. And I said, cause I knew that would be dangerous. And I was scared. And I said to her, how many fails do you think it's going to take for you to safely get there? How many times are you going to have to fail before you can do a flip on that trampoline? And what are you going to learn from each fail? So she came up with a plan that she's going to start small to be safe. And it'll take me 119 fails, mom. So then we counted. (laughs) I don't think she made it to 119. I think it was like somewhere around the seventies, but you know, 
if if you can pose a question, how many how many fails do you think it's going to take for you to become a professional singer the way you want to do it? Because you don't come out the gate being a professional singer. No, no, of course not. You know, and we need to structure. I can't, I can't hear you. You know, help our tweens and teens with their. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. That's okay. We it, talking to our teens and tweens about their why and why they're doing things is important too. You know, in, in mom's business, we talk a lot about my why and, and why I want to do what I do. What is it about being a professional singer that feels passionate for you? What is your why? Mm. You know, yeah. and- I disagree with some of what you said, but I totally understand where the whole fail part. You feel like you should tell your kid? Is that what you disagree with, Meredith? I personally um, believe that sometimes when kids get now, once again, this was an ab, this is an abstract thing, right? Like Sophia has said, I'm going to be on American Idol and do this and that and the other thing. And it's like, no, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. But I th- like, I tell her all the time, like you can sing for me, you can sing in the shower, you can sing, you can sit, you can join the choir, you can go to school and do this. But I also say things like, you know, we have to, we have to understand that we will fail at things, even though we love them. And it's totally okay to fail because you're going to learn something out of that fail, Mm -hmm. that fail that you have, because I fail a million times and I learn different things. And it just, it's it the, you know, I, you know, how I say it is the odds are probably better that you'll end up doing something else, but you can keep singing and you can sing and fail and at, at this or that or the other thing. But I just, I like to temper the conversation and say the reality of becoming a professional singer is 0.01% for everybody who sings. So you think she sings. should put her effort elsewhere? Since- I don't care if she's if she sings until she's blue in the face. I just like to tell her that the odds are not great that it will end up being the career choice that you have, but I'm not going to tell you that you can't sing, but I'm also not going to be the parent who's going to say you'll be a professional singer one day because I'm not going to say that to a kid who can't carry a tune in a bucket. Sure. Like so I'm, my I'm just saying don't say either. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just let them explore it. Yeah. I think I just like to, um, probably talk too much. (laughs) So it ends up in that situation of, you know, but I also tell her, I also said when she was talking about it, I was like, why don't you Google how many professional singers there are? Cause there's different kinds of professional singers go. as well. That's great. And yeah. we had that conversation, but I also like to prepare them for failure. Cause it's like, Hey, we will <laughs> fail for things. We will sure. fail at things. Right. And I, right. And I, and I also like to say like, it's okay. It's totally okay and acceptable to fail. Cause it means you tried and you're going mm-hmm. to learn something from it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, cause I'm also not a proponent, not, 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 not a proponent, but I also have already had, because I have a teen and a tween, I've already had the conversation about college and said, don't care if you go, I don't care if you go to college, if you want to, yeah. I, I support your decision in that, but I don't care if you go because maybe you want to be a, a cosmetologist or whatever. And you don't have to go mm-hmm. to a four year school and you can just go to a trade school or go like yeah. I, to me, those things aren't what matters for our kids in the long run. And and believe me, I've taken heat for that too. Cause I have lots of parents who say, I can't believe you would say that your kids have to go to school. And it's like, why to pay off student loan debt? Pff, that was no fun. I did that. It sucked, you know, and let's be honest, not using my degree, <laughs> but I think it's just funny. Um, the things that we 
argue with, with our kids or just, you know, when, what actually matters, like, what are the things that matter? So I don't know. I went philosophical there. My apologies. In addition to, I just want to mention again, you have your own podcast uh, that you co-host for parents of teens and tweens called Raise Mm -hmm. a Little Hell, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, do you do something else other than just dealing with teens and tweens? Because I was reading your bio and it sounded like you help women Mm -hmm. also. Yes. Yeah. One of the things that um, my career kind of sort of naturally manifested into is just working with women who, I don't know, maybe are in kind of like a transitional phase in their life, you know, leaving college, floundering around in their 20s, looking for that first job, or their first child's leaving the nest, and or their last child's leaving the nest, and then they're like, whoa, okay, now what about me? Mm. What what do I, wow, okay, now what do I do with life? So sort of like this finding themselves and finding their their passion their purpose their why Mm. um a lot of those types of women have found me and I just started providing services you know it's a lot of anxiety a lot of processing some old traumas maybe or just grief about kids leaving or going on or just checking in and making sure they're doing a great job as a parent um I love working with women like that because it gives me a nice break from teenagers. So you can too many teens. It's like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Start, start really talking like a teen and acting like a teen. My husband's like, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. but, um, so it's a nice break and a nice balance. Well, perfect. I just want to make sure that everybody who's listening knows the scope of what you do. Nice. Um, Meredith, I'm going to ask one more question. And then if you have any questions, since you're the parent of a teen, you can ask, but I, so I'm an addict and people ask me all the time, are you going to talk to your kids? If so, how are you going to do it? And I would love to hear from your perspective, knowing teens as well as you do. Do you think there's a way, like what's the most effective way, just open and honest and telling them the truth? And if so, like, is it based on maturity and not age? Do you have any insight on that for people who are listening? Uh, That's a good, that's a good question. I think that it's going to depend upon Uh, how much you want to tell, you know, all the dirty details. I don't think it's appropriate to really share everything. Uh, Right. Like I gave BJ's in an alley for drugs. You don't, you can leave that out. Probably could leave that one out. Um, The, but also I think it's about knowing your kids too, and speaking in an age appropriate way to them. So I like to look at teenagers. I, I, I never really liked the word adolescent, but I like to look at them as adults in training. Hmm. So if we're, if we're preparing our kids, you know, for, you know, being an adult, let's start looking at them from the perspective of, I have an adult in training. I don't just have a kid anymore. So hmm. if you were to talk to your, your kids about your teenagers, about some of your real life experiences, what is your reason for doing that? What's your intention? I want to help educate them so that if they find themselves in similar situations, they know what can happen if they go down that road. Uh, So, oh, go ahead. No, sorry. Two-part question. I'm adding a question in my question. Um, How do you think you should, even if you're not an addict, talking to your kid, Mm -hmm. your teens Mm -hmm. about drugs and stuff like Mm -hmm. that? I'd be interested in hearing that, like in general, like don't do drugs kind of talk. Sure. 
Yeah. Well, um, I can talk about, I've already started talking about that stuff with my daughter, you know, just educating her on what drugs are, what alcohol is, and even the history of it, that it used to be illegal and now it's not, and this is what it can do. And um, these are the effects of it. This is, this is why people use it. Um, And lots of time, and what I end up teaching her is majority of the time, when people use drugs or alcohol too much, it's because of a mental health, emotional reason. Um, And so then what happens is they get addicted and now they still have their emotional reason for using uh, and they still have this negative coping skill, but now they're also addicted to it. So, so there's like all these things playing a part. And so I just try and educate her and she's nine in a way that's age appropriate about that. And then let her ask questions. And with teenagers, you know, they, they know that stuff because they learn it in school. But I think it's also good as a parent to propose to your teenager, not situations about necessarily themselves where they'll feel interrogated, like we were talking about before, but give them a vignette, like search on Google for situations or news stories about where teenagers got in trouble for using drugs or alcohol or um, in the news somewhere, there's always a story. And then share that story with them And then ask them what they think about that. What could that kid have done differently? If that happened to you, what would you do? If your friend called you up from a party and they were drunk and wasted, what would you do? You just randomly start the convo? Like if you guys are just sitting down eating breakfast? Yeah, um, randomly started. Or if I know that she saw something or driving in a car is a really good time to talk to your teenagers. I love to force them into conversations in the car because they can't get (laughs) out. No, they and they, can't, they don't have, have to no look in your go. eye. Right, yeah. but they don't have to look in your eye. So they're more comfortable Unless I talking. stand there and say, look in my eyes. <laughs> but that gets scary. But yeah, Because right, you're totally. driving. Well, yeah. yeah. But no, but yeah, I agree. The car is always a good place when I mm-hmm. have been asking about girls or things like mm-hmm. that. But Brian said to me the other day, um, what is, what is, what is, what is the Paul kid? Jake Paul? Uh, there, yeah, Jake Paul is one of them and then Logan Paul. So Jake Paul's the little brother, right? Yeah. He's the one that just got in trouble for looting. Mm -hmm. So the news must've been on and we, and they, they must've been running the story about Jake Paul getting caught looting because he posted himself looting (laughs) online. And, um, we were, we were riding bikes and Brian looked at me and he said, um, so we can't go back to school because uh, Jake Paul looted the mall. And I said, no, we can't go back to school because the pandemic is going on. But there were also these riots and this is going on. And so it actually his question about Jake Paul looting opened up a conversation because he thought we couldn't go back to school because of the riots. Right. Because mm-hmm. the probably the story right before the riots was COVID. Because mm-hmm. what's on, that's all that's on TV. Mm-hmm. So it was a great way to have a conversation though, him, him having that. So when your kids do ask these questions and they do, cause what do they do? They're just, they're just frigging question machines. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a great, what you said is a great way, you know, use those conversations, use those, use those jumping off points as conversations because he really didn't understand. He legitimately like, speaking thought. Speaking of Jake Paul, let's talk about heroin. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, you can use a segue, (laughs) uh, but, 
but I think it was, you know, it was a good way to have a conversation about, I had a conversation about the pandemic, about Black Lives Matter, about looting, about ways to properly protest. I don't know how much of it he took in, but we were riding bikes and we had a conversation and we talked about, you know, you know, there were a group of peaceful protesters and then there were some people who were at that protest and they decided to not peacefully protest and they broke into this mall and Jake Paul was one of them. And this is what happened, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we had the conversation, but, uh, I think that that's a, a great idea because there is, believe me, unfortunately, there's no lack for stories out there no. of these things that are going on. No. So and it boils down to their maturity level and opportunity and not being forceful. Like, Hey, come sit in my room. We're going to talk about drugs. Yes. And come, I think come if, into my if, dark room and look into my eyes. <laughs> we're going to talk if, about if heroin. If you wanted to do that, take them into your dark dungeon room and yeah. ask them what they already know about drugs. Cause they probably know a lot more than you think. And then go from there. That's a scary conversation. Actually figuring out You're how right. much they know. But, set a time with them. You know Mm -hmm. what? I'd like to talk to you about drugs and alcohol and what you know and what I can share with you. When would be a good time for that? Can we do that in about an hour? You know, give them some prep time. And then after the conversation like Meredith, the one you had with Brian, you know, maybe follow up with them in a day or something and just be like, hey, do you have any more questions or thoughts on what we talked about, about Jake Paul the other day? I thought some of your questions were really insightful. And I thought maybe if you, you, you had any more, we could talk about it. Yeah, I think you know? I think you I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's 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 a lot about open dialogue. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we have to share everything with them. I think we give them information that is needed um mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily our job to tell them all of the like you said the dirty details because, mm-hmm. you know, believe me, I'm not I'm not going to sit and and be, you know, a completely transparent with my kids about you know, college or whatever, I'm going to have good, healthy conversations with them. But there are things that right. can stay in college or yeah. at the bar or yeah. whatever. But do you think it's a good idea to talk to your kids if you have a history of addiction and alcoholism of to, to mm-hmm. let them know like, hey, just so you know, your mom went through this of course, um, because of this. And, you know, I'm always here. If you want to talk about it, you know, you're more prone to it. Do you, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. you think it's okay to do that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I think it's, yeah, because, I think it's imperative that you do that. Yeah. That was my plan. Uh-huh. I just want to make sure I wasn't messing anything up. Absolutely. No, yeah. you're not messing up. You should do that. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Meredith, do you have anything that I think we could talk all day. I think, I mean, honestly, I think there's so much because there, like I said before, I think we were recording, there's no manual and there's no way to navigate. And now we've been, you know, thrust into this, the craziest time of our parenting journey, uh, ever, you know, and it just, there are days where it just feels like the walls are closing in Mm -hmm. and you know, the kids are falling apart and we're falling apart and everybody's falling apart together. And there's been more yelling in my house during this pandemic than the last 14 years by everybody, you Mm -hmm. know, by, you know, myself, my husband, the the three kids, the dogs, you know, they're pissed. Everybody's pissed, man. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just, I think if you, even if you've never utilized therapy before, I think now is a great time to reach out to somebody for a televisit. I, there, you know, we've talked about it time and again, there is no shame with reaching out and having conversations and talking with somebody. 
mm-hmm. about what's going on in your home. I think that what I loved what you said, and I'd love to talk to you more separately about your, the therapy that you do with women who are in transitional journeys, because it's part of my why that's a big part of my why personally mm-hmm. is getting moms through one of the most isolating, uh, yes. journeys of their life, which is motherhood. And the fact yes. that at some point our kids are, are supposed to grow up and leave the nest. But then a lot of times as women, we don't know who we are outside of them. Right. It's a huge part of my why and the reason that mm-hmm. I do what I do. So I think that that's fantastic that you offer that type of therapy as well, because mm-hmm. I think from a very young age, we're told to grow up and get married and have babies and, um, just be a mom and not complain and stay in the box and do everything forever and always. And then forget who you are because that's not important. It's just important that you be a mom. And I want to smash that into like your ice cubes, a billion pieces on the driveway, because I think that that is such, that's such a harmful message to send women and wives and mothers. I agree. So, yeah, I think we could have so a whole Jax, other conversation. If, if there is a parent listening, a parent of a teen, and they feel like they're losing control and they feel lost, do you have a message for that person? Um, apart from come listen to my podcast and all that, which we will give them. But what would you say to that person who's listening and struggling? Like just, a, you know, your best piece of advice. Mm-hmm. You're stronger than you think. Mm. I say that all the time. You're stronger than you think. You're so much stronger than you think. I love and that. sometimes we need to be tested harder, challenged harder to realize that. And you will see that you are stronger than you think. Yes. Oh. I, I love that. That's wonderful. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Jax, you can find her lots of places. Um, you can find her on TikTok. Mm-hmm. It's psycho spelled P-S-Y-K-O underscore therapy. Same with I-G at the psychotherapist spelled P-S-Y-K-O. Uh, Facebook, the psychotherapist. And her email is jax at psychotherapist.com you tell us um you do do you do teletherapy yeah i know you do Mm -hmm. but is it like through a program or how to like what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want your email email me yep just email i mean you can hit me up in my dms too i guess but um, (laughs) my dms yeah and i do telehealth i do emotional coaching across state lines insurance regulations and licensing regulations will not allow me to provide psychotherapy across state lines but um who wouldn't want emotional coaching from a licensed psychotherapist anyway? So <laughs> I would want it. Yeah. For sure. yeah. You got two new yeah. clients sitting right okay. here. <laughs> yeah. I think you're great. I th- I Thank love you. what you stand for. I love how inclusive you are and how open-minded you. you are. And I really love your approach um, and your vibe. So if you do have t- TikTok, go follow her. She's wonderful. Go check out her website. Um, and thank you so much for joining us. I'm so thank glad. Thank you. I appreciate thank you me. having me on. This was awesome. Thank Aww. you. Thank Thanks you. Thank you. It was a great for putting show. up with us. Really, <laughs> yes. it was well, great. Best yeah. podcast ever. Yay! <laughs> um, Meredith, I closed out of the outro. Do you remember it? Join us next week for another episode of Take It or Leave It, an advice-ish podcast hosted by two struggling moms. Who have no idea what we're doing. doing. Thank you guys so much for being here. Reach out to Jack. We love your faces.
Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.